The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. 11 minutes after 8 and this is the Forum at 8. Thank you so much for tuning in if you've just joined us. If you've been with us since 6am, thank you so much uh, for that as well. Well, uh, this morning on the Forum at 8, we are hosting the Auditor General, Mr. Kimi Makwetu. The latest audit outcomes for national and provincial departments show a 31% improvement in some of the departments and entities which were audited for the 2015-2016 financial year. And this was revealed uh, yesterday by Mr. Makwetu to in Parliament, where he unveiled the audit results. Lula Mamatia was also there. The results cover 484 auditees, which include 169 national and provincial departments, as well as 315 public entities, with a total budget of 1.2 trillion rand. The number of auditees that have received clean audits increased from 122 to 152. Auditor General Kimi Makwetu says although the improvement is slow, it is nonetheless promising. But much as it may be marginal in relation to the total number of entities that we audited and analyzed, which is 484 for the current period, but it is promising to see that there's a significant number of entities if one looks at the three-year window that are starting to gain traction with regards to the area of clean audits. Makwetu says over the last three financial years, irregular expenditure has increased by almost 40% to 46.36 billion rand. Fruitless and wasteful expenditure in the previous financial year was 14% higher than the 1.37 billion rand in the financial year before. He, however, says unauthorized expenditure has decreased by just over 50%. Makwetu says the main contributors to the irregular expenditure include rail agency Prasa and water and sanitation department. This irregular expenditure is not arising because the goods and the services that were bought had not been received. That's not the point. The point is a litany of these things create doubt as to whether you paid sufficiently competitively for the particular good or service that you paid. Because without adhering to the requirements of supply chain, you may have received what you intended to get, and we have. But what still remains is whether you paid a competitive price. The Eastern Cape, KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng have recorded the biggest audit improvements, while the provinces with the highest number of clean audit opinions are the Western Cape, Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal. The Northern Cape, Free State and Pumalanga have regressed. NCOP House Chairperson Joe Monyambi says they are concerned about some of the key provincial departments whose audits are not good. The first one is provincial departments of education, health and public works are responsible for almost 37% of budget yet continue have to have the poorest outcomes of all the departments. Both the SABC and Post Office have received qualified audits. The chairperson of the Standing Committee on AG, Vincent Smith, says they have put in measures to deal with mismanagement of public funds timelessly.
He says the anti-corruption task team now attends committee meetings in parliament so that if wrongdoing is discovered, it can be dealt with quicker. For this step, we are not calling departments to discuss their overall annual report. We're specifically focusing on unauthorized, irregular and wasteful and fruitless expenditure. We've also now asked the anti-corruption task team to be consistently present in our scope of meeting so that when we pick up illegality, the department has no excuse. The number of outstanding audits which could not be included in the report is 27. The main reason is non-submission or late submission of financial statements and information or even delays due to disagreements on accounting matters. Lula Mamaja in Parliament. And uh, we are joined now from our Cape Town studio this morning by the Auditor General, Mr. Kimi Makwetu. Thanks so much for speaking to us once again. Good morning, uh, Sakina, and good morning to the business. Well, a bit of business unusual because usually you are seated here across from me in our Joburg studios, but uh, we'll make do and hopefully, uh, you know, you'll enjoy the beautiful weather and the scenery out in Cape Town. But... Um, Let's just start and by just diving right in because we've been receiving messages since we announced that you are coming onto the show. And I want to start with that, uh, Mr. Makwetu, just to give you a sense of where the public is at with regard to your um, uh, announcement yesterday. Uh, Kakisho Mueng says, like the Proteas who win everything except the World Cup, uh, these reports mean absolutely nothing as long as nothing happens to the looters. Malusi.com says there's a difference between um, a wasteful, fruitless and um, other expenditure and people need to know that uh, if there's no action taken uh, for these irregular government spendings the AG's report is just another fruitless exercise says Mtunzi Mamkeli uh, Itumeleng A says what is the role of the chief procurement officers uh, when departments overspend especially on irregular expenditure and Abe says uh, SK I'm still baffled by the AG's report report on wasteful and irregular expenditure my question where are the internal auditors and that gives a sense of where people's minds are at and the sort of things that they are questioning regarding uh, these latest results but of course uh, you did announce that unauthorized expenditure has decreased uh, but unfortunately on the the, the opposite side of that uh, there's also an announcement of an 80% growth in irregular expenditure in the public sector so let us just start by looking at um, the financial the financial sustainability uh, because that remains a great concern for state-owned entities. And what would you say uh, would be your takeaway first and foremost from that standpoint? Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Sakina. Now, you're saying what would be my take from that standpoint? I heard you describing a number of issues. Are you expecting me to respond to all of them? I want to start with the state-owned entities because remember when we talk about the state-owned entities, uh, we are awaiting uh, the credit ratings agencies. And one of the issues that they have flagged uh, was the state-owned entities and their financial health. So from that perspective, as the AG and looking at all of these state-owned entities, what is their financial sustainability like at the moment? All right. Um, thank you very much, uh, Shakina. Uh, 
let me start by saying that the there's a number of uh, state-owned entities that we audit on which we are reflecting on these audit outcomes and these state-owned entities are predominantly the likes of your airports company your sabc and your sa post office and all of that to the exclusion of the likes of the other big ones like transnet like escom because and saa because we do not audit those so they are not included in these numbers so when we speak about these entities we're speaking about entities that over time have struggled to retain talent whether you're looking at it from the board level whether you're looking at it from the executive management level and unfortunately these are the people that normally design and develop the long-term plans of these entities to which certain finances are allocated so when you look at that and you look at the instability of leadership as well as the weaknesses in the accountability chain it starts putting a strain on the finances of these entities as we have seen in places like the South African post office as we have seen in places like the SABC for example where there are still significant amounts of irregular expenditure on the back of procurement activity that takes place there so what we're looking at in this report is that if you fix these type of issues from a leadership stroke governance point of view you're likely to give much closer attention to the financial fortunes of these entities so that we do not discover at the end of the financial year that there's a need for an injection of funds from the state coffers whether it is via guarantees and all of those things that get provided to them because they do not create an increase if you like in the net assets that they command so that's the current uh, reality i think that we are looking at and we are reporting on as far as these entities are concerned because this vulnerability creates pressures in the fiscal space where all of us i think accept and understand that there is not much room to provide additional resources to many of these types of entities so the starting point i guess which we are looking at is to say there are many preventative measures at the level of leadership stability as well as at the level of governance of what these entities that needs to be given a priority in order to reverse what may become an irreversible financial uh, decline mm-hmm. and uh, focusing still on those state owned entities um how many were under review what sort of budget were you looking at in total and have they progressed or regressed well if you look at the ones that we looked at uh, as we say in our in our media statement we audited around 10 out of the 21 those 10 among others comprise the like of the likes of your idt the post office sabc airports company um sa express and so on and of course amsco is among those as well so if you look at their performance many of them have achieved unqualified opinions with findings where there are quite a number of infractions uh, that have been identified through the audit in areas like supply chain as well as not complying with supply chain management rules out of those 10 that we looked at the only one that has uh, uh, can i say passed with flying colors in so far as achieving an unqualified with no findings opinion is the armaments corporation amsco 
And of course, you do have the likes of your South African Broadcasting Corporation and the likes of your IDT, as well as the South African Post Office who have been qualified. So that is the almost the type of uh, conclusion that we have reached on a number of the 10 that we look at. Well, it seems futile that we would sit here every year and, you know, talk about people not following uh, the prescripts as set out in their PFMAs. So why do people, what, what sort of reasons are they giving at this point for not following procedure? There are different categories of OTGs, uh, Sakina, if you look at <coughs> the, the kind of work that we're looking at. And I'm going to try and deal with it in broad strokes because it's quite a huge uh, population to have a sense and respect of each individual entity. What we look at in these audit outcomes, after we have signed off on the audit reports, we subject all of these financial statements to an analysis that is uh, undertaken by our teams, out of which surfaces what we call uh, the root causes for some of these uh, audit deficiencies. And we find that as we look at the audit outcomes and reflecting on the journey that was undertaken by all our audit teams, we do find a category of departments and entities that are very cooperative in dealing with a set plan to implement internal controls and improve financial management. And those ones have got very limited findings. They normally respond positively to expectations from their own leadership as well as they normally provide sufficient evidence for transactions when auditors inquire. That's the one category of very cooperative departments and entities. And of course, within that same basket, you'll have those that go with the flow, if I might put it like that, and only respond to that which the auditor highlights. Now, surely, if you've got a big department that has got a huge uh, budget, the audit can possibly elevate one or two key areas that it focused on, whereas there's so many other activities happening that the auditors may not have pronounced on in so far as looking at the financial statements. And so these kind of teams or departments tend to do the minimum, if you like, trying to, among other things, manage around the audit, if I can put it like that. Mm. You know, it's a question of, I've got certain pointed issues that I need to deal with so that the auditors can go away instead of dealing with uh, putting in place a sustainable system of development being financial management disciplines to protect any possible abuse now or in the future. <clears throat> then you have those that are fairly dismissive of the audit outcomes because they know, as your uh, earlier points that you made from the other callers, because they know that there's a, there's a low risk associated with painful consequences, if you like. So if I know that there's going to be no consequence for deviating from supply chain and I procure all of the stuff that I need to procure from one supplier without subjecting that to a proper competitive process and you start extending existing contracts that were meant to be for a year or two and you start seeing them running into the future at significant amounts in terms of the commitment to the state. And the risk there is that when you do not have that level of control, all manner of other undesirable activities can surface and flourish in an environment like that. So there's that category that knows that without consequence, less pain, dismissive of the audit outcome, whatever it says. And then lastly, you also in the same bag have a category of those departments and entities that are starting to 
shall I say, uh, exhibit strange behaviors that are trying to impose complicated and unhelpful interventions when you look at certain specific transactions that the auditors pursue. Now, <clears throat> this is one of the very unsavory categories, if you like, because it's people that try to find other ways to get around what they need to attend to when it comes to transparent financial management. Mm. So that's the overall picture. But, but, but why wouldn't people try and beat the system and get away with whatever they can, given that there does seem to be, um, you know, lack of punitive measures against those who transgress? As the Auditor General, as someone who has to sit and audit these books and come uh, to these conclusions year after year, how do you feel about the fact that you only can take it up to a certain point and that you do not have any further powers to ensure that changes are instituted as a matter of must, not because people think they can do as they please. Well, <clears throat> you, you want to know how I feel? Yes, I want to know how you feel having to do this every year. The nice thing about expressing a feeling <laughs> is that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to spin it. Uh, let me say, you know, I feel like you are. I, I feel like I am wrestling uh, with a pig in the mud, because what it does, it basically looks at you when you distract it and carries on with what it was doing once you go away. And that's what happens by far in respect of some of these, because you've got a litany of commitments that are made, which suggest that we are going to take a different action in order to improve these outcomes. So if you disappear as an auditor and you are expected to come back next year, you find the same situation because you almost kind of came across as a distraction. So the reality is that if there's no punitive consequence, you're going to have a lot of that because the opportunity to abuse the financial systems is not going to be disturbed. And what about the internal um, audit functions? Because if, if, if these results then um, for the entities where there is no improvement or where there is regression, what does that say about the internal audit functions? Sakina, the internal audit function, if you look at it technically, it's a, it's a function in any environment, whether private or public sector institution that is uh, normally employed within the management structures of that entity whose responsibility is to work with management in the journey towards the improvement of internal checks and balances in all cycles within an environment, whether it's a big or a small entity. If that internal audit function is to be successful, first of all, it has to, at least at a minimum, have the level of competence required of a person who is going to appraise some of the deficiencies that are under the care and control of an accounting officer. So you're obviously going to have to deal with that conflict, among others. If you have that conflict not properly dealt with in terms of the segregation of duties within that environment where an internal audit can report to an independent uh, person like a chair of an audit committee, if you've got a strong audit committee, so that when matters surface, when they are given the space to test different cycles within the environment. Let's look at an example where a department has got a cash-heavy uh, uh, transaction environment. Mm. Surely if someone is in an internal audit function, it must be their preoccupation to 
ensure that there are the basic segregation of duties and controls in the cash management systems so that people do not uh, attempt to be creative when they do certain things without them being detected as it happens. Because if that doesn't happen, then you have all of, all sorts of those things towards the end of the year, and then you find documentation not in place. So we agree that there's a huge role that can be played by an internal audit, provided it is defined and positioned within the overall governance framework of that institution so that it is not seen as a appendage of the executive management team that gets sent around to do all manner of um, not important activity which is unrelated to the control environment. That is the challenge and I think it can only be dealt with by looking at the role of leadership in these institutions. And many have actually risen up to this uh, challenge and pursued the role of an internal audit exactly with that objective in mind. We're talking to the Auditor General, Mr. Kimi Makweto, who's in our Cape Town studios and talking about uh, the latest audit uh, results uh, that have been reviewed and taking your calls on this and your messages as well. And uh, just looking at some of the messages once again, Mr. Makweto, I want to read as many of them to you as I can. A question from Tlotliso who wants to know who is responsible for making sure that there are remedial actions with regard to the Auditor General's report. Who is responsible for that, Mr. Makwetu? The responsibility for this lies with the uh, Parliament. The committees that are assigned, among others, this responsibility is the Standing Committee on Public Accounts, Mm -hmm. which you have in all the provinces as well as nationally, who go through these matters and uh, determine and uh, remedial action through resolutions that they pass in the house and that's the extent to which it uh, surfaces as far as we can see but beyond the action that is required post the resolutions that have been adopted uh, we haven't seen much uh, action there so it's like many other things uh, uh, where you have rules that have been put in place or you've got uh, governance guidance that is in place, and you've also got remedial action. For example, if you look closer to the, pub, to, the to the PFMA in Section 38, it speaks to quite a number of responsibilities that are expected to be carried out by an accounting officer, and it really goes to town with regards to what is expected and what will happen if that which is expected is not done. So to me, if one interprets that, if somebody then consistently achieves below that expectation insofar as the audit outcomes are concerned, what should flow from it is the activation of those provisions in order to do the right thing. Well, uh, that then would suggest that we actually would need the political will to make sure that all of this is carried out. Because it, 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 it leads one to question whether... Is it difficult to obtain a clean audit and to maintain one? Because if it is easy, why then is it not happening, Mr. Magwetu? Um I guess most people will say that if you entrust a number of people with public funds, the minimum expectation is for them to do that which is expected and agreed and be able to report on it as accurately and as transparently as you can help it. Because in the same realm of activity, there are too many other people who 
may have other intentions with regards to what they want to do with that money. So that's what is expected, uh, I think. Uh, so when we say clean audits, we are raising the standard and we are raising the bar to the very basic minimum. It's almost asking me to account for the 200 rands that you gave me and show the things that I bought with it, mm. if, that, if that's what I, uh, I signed up for. And if you've told me that I must spend it in particular ways, surely I'm expected to respect that. And if I don't, it's not difficult because all of the people that are making themselves available to become chief financial officers and so on and so forth have got the minimum technical skills in many places. But there's no doubt that some of them get overridden when they are trying to do the best they can. So if you have an environment where there's a culture of override, where the tone at the top is not set by the entire leadership to drive the way things are done, the reality is that the rest of the people are also going to find their ways to do the thing that is not always desirable. So that's the reality I think that you're facing. It's not so much about these junior people who are supposed to process transactions are not doing it, they are lazy and so on. It's almost a combination of those elements together with, you know, uh, people who just want to defraud the system, find it easy not to implement the systems that will protect that uh, money. A practical example of this is that if you've got um, information technology controls that are weak and those that are brighter than many who are able to access information technology environments from far are able to hack into systems because those controls would have protected anyone accessing inappropriately from outside and when they do remotely sometimes they walk away with millions of rands as we have seen in a number of places in the press so these are the type of basics that we are talking about to say putting in place a high wall of internal controls is about protecting and creating the opportunity for those funds to go where they were intended. Mm. Is that too difficult? I'm sure in the most basic of things, that's probably something that's doable. But there's a behavior behind it that's probably not allowing it to happen. And isn't it also that we have kind of accepted, kind of normalized almost the fact that we will be seeing these sort of outcomes, whereas, um, you know... uh, what should be the norm is that we should have clean audits and the converse of that should be what we should be worried about. But seemingly we've normalized the fact that we will not have clean audits. I mean, we can, we can, we can unpack that as well, you know, and say to ourselves, uh, let's maybe just uh, lower down the level because if you speak clean audit, somebody thinks that this is like a very technical thing that needs to spin your head around Mm. and try to figure out how to do this that's, you know, complicated under normal... There are those elements in many places when it comes to financial statements, that, but they are not the dominant reason why these audit outcomes are like this. And I think that uh, if we absorb this message and we find mechanisms to, to have biting consequences, then I think we can go somewhere. Because There's no doubt that if you look at the last five to ten years when this report was uh, surfaced uh, uh, with the previous uh, AG, many of what we have here was not in place. If you remember, the clean audits were somewhere in the single digits not long ago. And that steady progress, I think, is one of the things that needs to be encouraged because it can be done. There's no doubt that it uh, cannot be done. And the problem is that when you have this level of... uh, 
irregular expenditure and uh, fruitless and wasteful expenditure. It denies the opportunity for those things that were planned to be done, being done properly. Either because the stuff that we're paying for is things like that glass that was hired for some 250 uh, per glass versus <laughs> for, 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 for a function type of wow. stuff, you know, which means that uh, an ordinary class would probably have done the function and you would have saved that money for bigger things. Those are the type of things that we are talking about. Now, if you don't have documentations for some of those and you can't leave with the reason behind uh, the justification, you almost uh, default to a situation where you suggest that maybe there's broader intentions than just purchasing the class. Mm. And I think Vusi uh, Moyake, uh, the, the, that answers your issue where you say you're worried that the Auditor General focuses on compliance issues and ignores value for money issues and consequences. So he's just pointed out there, if you are going to hire a glass, something that someone's going to drink some liquid from at 250 rand per glass, what are you thinking? Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight, and uh, we're speaking to the Auditor General, Mr. Kimi Makwetu, this morning, and taking your calls now. Zizi Gotwa, ANC spokesperson. Good morning. Morning, SK. And morning to the AG. Firstly, thank you very much, AG, for the good work you continue to do. Because as a part of the Chapter Nine institution, you continue part of your mandate is to improve the way public representatives we manage our public finances. And I must, uh, we must concur with you, as you when you bemoan about issues of lack of leadership and management to improve how we can better manage. Um, I like the point you make about uh, the fact that jobs uh, in junior positions may not do what is good if they see management taking responsibility. It is in that context that, one, the African National Congress shall be calling on all deployees, on East deployees, whether in government or those deployed in uh, state-owned companies, to account about, especially the bad performance in departments, to account so that we get a sense, what is it, including the repeat offenders, what is it that they are not doing right? Whether is it because they are not appointing competent people with skills, obviously financial management is quite key in terms of appointing people who can improve the financial management. But secondly, we think that your office, to you must be given more powers. I mean, I think that uh, some of your recommendations must have a binding effect in the same way we argued with the public protector. Because some of the recommendations we have made over a period of time, the fact that there has not been improvement, it speaks to whether your issue, whether your work is just in compliance, just in mere compliance, or is it meant to improve our, our capacity in terms of public finance management. And I think your office must be empowered in terms of law that those who cannot account, I mean, if you look at fruitless wasteful expenditure, it, it runs to billions, including irregular. That cannot be accepted. And I think as the African National Congress, we will take that bold decision to improve, to amend, to make sure that we give teeth to your work. That by next year, you can no longer, talk, you must be improvement in terms of both the departments and SOCs that at least get clean audit. They improve in terms of uh, their capacity. Once we noticed, uh, the improvement in national and provincial department were unhappy. The fact that uh, uh, the, even that percentage is 1%, 2%, 14% e- e- improvement. What is it even possible that all government departments, where possible, can get more than 80% in terms of financial management? And we think public finance management is quite important. We want to thank you, but I think you give us an indication and a possibility that there's a lot that we must do. Firstly, at a political level, to make sure that those that got the responsibility, the politicians, 
um, they must take leadership, provide leadership. But secondly, we must appoint competent people. And in doing so, we must make sure that uh, we amend and empower your office so that your finding and recommendation must be binding. Zizi, here's a quick one for you from Tabo Tabane, who says, Zizi, we don't believe you. You've said this before. The ANC has said this before. The ANC has never said that before. In fact, if Tabo would look back, he would realize that part of what we continue to do, we were the first to call up for the appointment of competent people. What is becoming clear? I remember some uh, while back uh, in part of my career, Sakina, I worked for Denel, and there was a short course for non-financial managers. And it's important that uh, uh, I see that in a number of, of uh, institutions, uh, those in management are not introduced uh, to financial management. Because financial management has become a key element of managing public finances. And that cannot be assumed that because you don't have technical skills or you come from a university got a degree, you can better manage billions or not trillions. Uh, that are managed by the institution. Mm. But from the leadership point of view, we expect them to do much better to provide leadership in institutions. But getting the basics right, Zizi, when the Auditor General uncovers, unearths information that says someone is hiring a glass at 250 rand, 250 rand per glass, what that's, does that, that say? That's pure corruption. That is pure corruption. That has got nothing to do with management. That is pure corruption. That's why we say, among others, when we talk about uh, the, the corruption task team and so on, which uh, Vincent Smith spoke about yesterday, this is what we say we must have consequence management. What happens in that case? Something that we cannot talk about. Someone must be held accountable. Someone must account for that. Someone must, must at least say uh, a class of 10 rand is now 200 rand. What happens? What is the money for? So if for us is to curb corruption, we've got to act decisively and we must show that through our action. But what about measures that are already in place, Zizi, as opposed to waiting for something that still needs to be set up? What about your own integrity commission, for example, where these sort of findings are unearthed? Are you not going to look into it? Will there be no follow-up where the evidence is there and staring you in the face by your own admission? You say that this is pure corruption. So what will you do about that? The point I made just SK earlier, I said well, the first thing we'll do is to look at the bad performance as the African National Congress, who are more worried about repeat offenders. And we'll call on all our employees, whether ministers, whether the local government level, where municipalities have not performed, have not had clean audits over a period of time. We'll call them to say, can we get an understanding what is wrong? What's wrong? Don't we have people who can account? Of, of course, we'll use the basis of that interaction, the, 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 the AG's report. So any political discussion or decision will be informed by the AG's report. And we think that some action has got to be taken in order to restore public confidence, in order to better manage public confidence, mm. uh, public finances as the African national Okay. Congress. You say you would support more powers for the AG. Would you also support uh, instituting some sort of measure to have these monies actually recuperated from people um, who are responsible for this wastage? If there are any criminal investigation additional to that, if there are criminal investigation to be done, I think that uh, amendment must include including, um, F, uh, these SIUs to make sure that if there is criminal investigation or the criminal charges to be laid against certain people, that must be done without any further delays. Because if there are no actions, then public does not see any action. Public will lose confidence in these institutions, will lose confidence in the, in, in the, in the leadership of these institutions, but it will lose confidence in the, in the democratic elected government in terms of managing the public finances.
Zizi, we're going to leave it there. Some more calls coming through. I think you will find that that deficit uh, in confidence already exists. Let's hear from Itumeleng in Mahikeng. Good morning, Itumeleng. Morning, Sakina. Brakini, uh, I think uh, um, we need your office needs to be empowered. We need legislation that will empower you so that when you audit and, and at the end of the audit you issue outcomes that are binding, outcomes that are in a manner that there will be consequences if, if certain things are not done properly. You know, in one meeting I've raised an issue to say, if you are serious about attaining um, clean audits in our municipalities, in our government department or entities, why can't we tie senior managers, you know, the issue of clean audit should be incorporated into the performance agreement. And the one response I got is that managers would not want to be accountable for something that they don't have control over. But but I'm surprised, yeah, I was surprised by that particular response. When when, when, when financial year starts, senior managers determine budgets for their own departments. And senior managers are the ones who initiate transactions from their departments. And the finance department or the finance units of respective municipalities or departments are at the end of issuing checks to pay service providers for services paid. But transactions are initiated somewhere. Now, from where those transactions are initiated, that's where the problem is. And, and, and when our internal control uh, department within the finance unit checks, you know, the, the documents or the, 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 the invoices and, 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 and supporting documents and found out that certain documents are not attached, which must then make this payment legal, we are being instructed to pay. You see, even mm-hmm. if you say, give me an instruction in right there, say, pay. I mean, I'm, I'm the accounting office, I'm telling you to pay, and you must pay that particular funds. So, so the poor employee at that level just pays. Whether the first section is right or not, because he's, he's given an instruction, he pays. So I'm saying, high senior managers in their performance agreements for the attainment of clean audit, and let's see if we can take this country somewhere. Because for as long as they don't take responsibility for the out, look, year in, year out, we develop what we call audit recovery plans, Sakina. But there is no commitment from, from, from anyone to ensure that we follow up on the issues that they, they that are in the audit recovery plans and that the AG raised that we might so that we improve. Those are just documents that are sitting there and nothing has been done. So so if, 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 if there's consequences, if, if there's no... I'm telling you, Brakimi, you will continue hot lapis at Tungitoho. And 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 it's a frustration on your part. Thank you, Brakimi. Thank you so much, Dumeleng in Mahikeng. David and Hraf Reynet, what say you? Hi, Sakina. Thanks for taking my call. I'd just like to say that I think the term irregular expenditure is basically a euphemism that's hiding up an incredible amount of crime and corruption. My only question to the Auditor General, can he confirm that Prasa, when they, when they bought the new locomotive engines, spent, and I think this is going to outdo the 250 rand per glass, they spent 42 million rand buying 70 toilet seats for the locomotives. Can he confirm that? And if it is, it's, it's a scandal pretty much. On, on, on a par with Nkandla. Thank you very much, Sakina. Thank you so much, uh, David. Uh, then we have Bruce in Randburg. Good morning, Bruce. Yeah, morning, guys. Uh, great topic, very, very important. Um, I consider the work that uh, the, the Auditor General does year, in, year out to be, you know, his team of people to be some of the most hard, hardworking, diligent, professional people that um, within government. And uh, they actually represent uh, one of the divisions of government that really, really work. And they are functional. You know, we tend to sometimes generalize about government and say it's functional. But, you know, Auditor General is an example, a clear example where it's not key. 
You know, there's for me, there's, I work in, in the financial sector, and there's, for me, there's three major, major problems with the parastatals, and your guests touched on them. Okay, number one is there's a, there's a culture, there's no accountability uh, across government. It starts at the top. Unfortunately, it filters down. If people are not accountable for jobs, they know they're not going to get fired. There's no accountability, and it, it filters down to, to the parastatals. And um, the boards, if you look at the boards, quite simply, if, SABC and others, the boards have forgotten what their job is. Their job is of a board is not to agree with the CEO. It's actually to, at times, to challenge him. So you know, if you look at FAA, for example, you know, you can't have people sitting on the board year in, year out, running at a loss and not doing anything about it. But, but the, the findings, interesting, look at this latest report, is the, I think it's 89% of this $45 billion, 89% of this unaccountable expenditure is the procurement, where apparently the parastatals are dealing with one supplier. Now, now, if you think about it, fundamentally, that's not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to have standards, and that encourages people to, you know, to be competitive. But if you have a situation where un- one supplier is dealing with a massive parastatal, then they, they don't have to keep the prices, you know, competitive. So that's got to be fixed. But Auditor General... Huge respect for him. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Bruce and Randberg. Kolani Nimtata, good morning. Hi, Sakina. I think my comment is actually a response to also what Mr. Kotwa said. I think and for as long as there is a political office and an administrative office and some people don't understand the difference between the two, we will always have a problem. He spoke about deployment of their cadres into these offices. This is a deployment, you will always associate that with politics. And then anybody who is in a role because he's deployed, he will always please those who deployed him. This is an administrative work. The PFMA is clearly defined. I think it's high time now that South Africa, that is a South African government, all CFOs, CEOs, municipal managers, anybody at the senior level, that they have a direct line in terms of appointments through the National Treasury and then a dotted line to a political office in those spaces. So that any political office that is enforcing a person to make payments, that they must put it in writing so that the person who is accountable in terms of when the money gets out of the municipality, if it's a municipality or any state-owned entity, that that person is doing it based on something written, not by word of mouth in order, because for fear of prejudice and all that. So it's important to separate between administration and political for us to see growth in our nation. Well, thank you so much, Tlolani. Let me read some messages before I get the AG to respond. Albert says, companies need individuals uh, who collude to charge us 250 rand for a glass uh, to be debarred from working for the state and be blacklisted and charged. Uh, Remember, Sobukwe says, the major concerns is that people who steal uh, professionally and intenders or invoices overcharge and these clean audits might even be misleading uh, because of that. Uh, Saudi talks stalks SABC aid says I feel that the AG is equally useless I've never heard them chiding the presidency for wasting money on futile legal cases instead of rebuking the presidency for wasteful expenditure on issues like legal fees the AG gives the off, uh, the office a clean audit uh, Vusi Ntlakana says Terence Nombembe sang that song Makwetu is singing that song until accountability is the key we'll be singing the same old song Sviso 
Cecil Shabalala says, why are we doing these audits by the AG? Because people are not being held accountable for wasting money. Uh, Ntukulu says, uh, how did the public protector's office do in the AG's report? Uh, Lindani Homo says, what happened to... Um, uh, the appeal that the Auditor General's findings and recommendations be binding like that of the public protector. And Cloney says, SK, does a clean audit necessarily translate into best service delivery or is it just clean paperwork? And then uh, this one from Jim uh, Pasquale Augustine says, AG, are golden handshakes also audited? So some questions and comments interlaced there. Um, Mr. Makwetu? Uh, thank you, Sagina. I think we, we're going to run out of time, but I'll try and summarize. I think we've had the comments, and uh, there's a lot of stuff to digest from what the callers have uh, raised. A lot of it is enhancing the sentiment that was expressed yesterday by, by uh, our committee chair in Parliament, insofar as looking at the binding powers and all of the things that were said. We think that they are well-positioned both in terms of uh, Itumelian's input, welcome, and I think that if you look at the question raised with regards to Prasa, as the chair of the board indicated yesterday uh, when reflecting on these outcomes, there are currently some investigations that are currently taking place. So with regards to David's question there, it's a question of uh, that investigation going through the detail in essence because the audit will possibly select items that may not necessarily be related to this uh, particular transaction when it's done. Mm. And of course, with the points that uh, Bruce have, has raised, also very valid, and we think that there's a place to be played also by the private sector here, because as he correctly says, they probably are the guys that will normally be the suppliers in most instances. And if they deal with people who do not show levels of accountability in these uh, parastatals, they ought also to raise their hand so that these matters don't wait for an annual statutory audit for them to be attended to. But overall, I think, uh, Sakina, as we wrap up and getting to the end of this... Uh, Before you do that, uh, in terms of line items, are people particularly interested in how much the various departments are spending on legal fees? Well, legal fees in financial statements are disclosed. And uh, as you know, I mean, if you look at different things and contracts and all sorts of things that are done in government and even in the private sector. There's always legal contestation. People spending money they never budgeted because there was a particular decision they took that is challenged in court. And because they need to respond to it, they incur fees because you have to have senior counsel and all those things in order to ensure that your contracts are protected, are well interpreted and uh, are understood for what they represent. So there is no doubt quite a lot of legal fees and those are specifically disclosed in the body of the analysis on the financial statement. So if you look there and you do comparisons and you you, you, you focus on those legal fees, you'll really see what they are for. Some of them are for defense, defending all manner of things that departments and entities have to contest. Well, um, unfortunately, as you said, we are out of time, but no doubt, I'm sure some of these will be unpacked further as one focuses on individual entities. But um, any last words from your side, Auditor General? Well, uh, for what it's worth, uh, Sakina, I wanted to perhaps just borrow from uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth when uh, he asked the question, 
will all the great Neptune's oceans wash this hand. And I think for all the callers and the listeners that were contributing today, I think as a country that's possibly the biggest question that we are facing. When will the waters of these great rivers wash the stain clean from us all? And I think that we need to start paying attention to that. Otherwise, the rest of this and other statements tend to derail us from what we need to focus on. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Our pleasure, uh, Auditor General, Mr. Kimi Makwetu there. And obviously, as most of you would have indicated, it seems as though we are some sort of stuck record at the moment. But someone else saying at least the cries are getting louder and louder and hopefully they will be heard soon. That's all we have time for. Thanks for your participation as always. And to the production team, it's just after nine and Nomsam Julie standing by with the latest news.